Amen. You guys can be seated. Hey, welcome to those of you who are still trying to shuffle into, uh, into empty seats. There are a few here on the inside rows. Hopefully, uh, I think we should have a seat for everybody tonight. So, um, is anybody glad to be under a roof on this beautiful Thursday? That's right. Did anybody get rained on on the way to class today? few of you good. Did anybody um, not have an umbrella and need an umbrella? Because that's just how it goes, right? You don't have it, it rains, you do have it, it's the sunniest day you've ever seen. Um, well, hey, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to tonight, looking forward to everything that we're going to study tonight in God's Word. Um, if you're just joining us for the first time this semester, we are in a sermon series that we've been calling Deal Breakers. We've been talking everything, relationships and love and all the things, right? Um, tonight, I'm, I'm particularly excited for what we're going to talk about. And um, I will tell you before I get started um, that a lot of what I'm talking about um, is actually inspired um, by, well, one book. It's, it's this one, the real thick one. Holy Bible. Um, but there's another book. I, I do a lot of reading and um, studying and things like that, but there's another book um, that the, uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, really a lot, of it, a lot of what we're talking about was inspired by this book. It's called Outdated, um, written by a guy named Jonathan Pakluda, and I want to do a good job uh, or attempt to each week at um, just giving you guys good resources to, like, not just hear the things that we talk about, but take them and apply them to your life. And so, um, tonight, if you will, um, a few of you, like ten of you, if you look under your chairs, we got a copy of Outdated for um, about ten lucky people in the building tonight. Um, You will find them, like, tucked in the little middle metal slit. If you find one, hold it up. And if you want one, then raise your hand and I'll throw this one to you. All right, we'll see how far back there I can get it. There we go. Oh, that was exactly who I was aiming for, almost. Okay. Um, if you find it, hold it up. There we go. There's one. Are they, uh, you guys find it? Let's go. Good. Heck yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. If, um, if you don't see one, you probably didn't get one, but do when we have more room on the way out. Check and make sure there's not one under your chair because we, we want you guys to have them. And if you already have that book, if you would, just pass it to your neighbor because they probably don't have it. So um, that's our gift to you. We're super excited for uh, how the Lord's going to use it in your life um, as you date and uh, as you move towards marriage. So question for you tonight. Are there any high school musical fans in the building? Come on. Come on. So, um, was this like, I was talking to Aaliyah earlier today, telling her I was going to talk about High School Musical. Was this a part of y'all's childhood? Yeah? Okay, good. So y'all aren't like, I, 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 I'm 26, I'm not super old, and I'm like, it was a part of my childhood. I feel like it's a part of theirs too. Um, matter of fact, like High School Musical... It was like a family affair in my household. Don't know if it was the same for you. Like, I genuinely, not kidding with you, remember the night that it, it premiered on the Disney Channel. Like, I remember that night. It was like my whole family was in on it. We were, we were it, was, it was all the hype, man. I'm telling you, like, everybody was so excited. All my friends were so excited. And, like, I remember watching that movie, and, like, I was all in. I'm talking like stick to the status quo. I was there. We're bopping to the top. We're all in this together. I mean, I'm, I'm there, right? I'm in it. I love it. Y'all didn't think I'd go there, did you? But I did. 
So I love that movie, and I remember getting to the other side of that movie, I, you know, getting to the end of it, and I remember going, I believe in love. I believe that I can find my Gabriella. I believe that I can find that girl that I can dance on cafeteria tables with and do choreographed musical theater numbers. And I don't even like basketball, but I'll play it if I have to for Gabriella because I believe in love. For me, High School Musical was like the first ever picture of a relationship, like what it could be, all the incredible things that it, that it could bring about in my life. And so as a third grader, I set out to find my Gabriella. I eventually found her um, in 2019. Um, her name is Aaliyah, and uh, we've been happily married now for four, almost five years. Um, however, the search for Gabriella did not happen the way that I thought it would. And your search for Gabriella or Troy, please tell me that's her name, because I sure have been saying it. That is her name, right? Okay, I thought so. Um, your search for Gabriella and your search for Troy uh, might not play out the way that the movies and culture uh, tell you that it will. Tonight, the, uh, the deal breaker, if you will, that we're going to be talking about is culture. Um, because we have a teacher in culture when it comes to relationships and love. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I believe that our culture has crafted a romanticized and really unhelpful view of dating. And if we allow culture to be our teacher for dating, I believe it's going to lead us to date with unrealistic expectations, unfair standards, and unhealthy intentions. And so I want to invite you to take your Bible tonight and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is where we're going to be tonight, and it's actually not really where we're going to stay. We're going to read a little bit out of that chapter, um, but we're going to be bouncing around a little bit tonight, and I'll explain more about why here in just a second. Um, but as you're turning to 1 Corinthians 7, I'll kind of give you a roadmap of where we're going tonight. I'd like to give you two ways that culture has gotten dating wrong. Two ways that culture has gotten dating wrong. Wrong, And if you're a note taker, I'll tell you reason number one um, is that culture teaches us to date for fun. Culture teaches us to date for fun. As we get started, here's what you need to know about dating. What you need to know about dating is it, it, it hasn't been around forever. Um, it's not something created by God. It's actually something that's man-made. Um, it's not talked about in the Bible because it didn't exist back then. So you're not going to find any, any Bible verses that uh, use the, the word dating. Because dating is a relatively new thing in, in our culture. Matter of fact, traditionally, um, marriage was attained not through dating, but through arranged marriages or forced marriages. You guys are familiar with that, right? It's like, uh, it's basically marriage that's orchestrated by a third party, often for like political or military reasons. That was the tradition all the way up until about the 18th century, and in the 18th century, uh, dating kind of came onto the scene, and the idea behind dating was to remove that third party from the equation and to allow you the opportunity to, to pursue another person as you see fit, uh, not arranged by someone else. 
And so dating came onto the the scene around the 18th century. So biblically speaking, what does that mean for us? Like the fact that the Bible doesn't talk about it. What, uh, if that's the case, what responsibility do we have when it comes to dating? Because while it wasn't a huge part of the lives of the people in Scripture, it's a huge part of our lives today. So what responsibility do we have when it comes to dating? While the Bible doesn't talk about dating specifically or explicitly, um, it does talk a lot about marriage. Okay? Um, It says about marriage lots of things, but just kind of a flyover highlight, um, if you will. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Hopefully by now you're in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. If you'll read with me in verse 8, Paul says, To the unmarried and the widows, that's the single people, I say it's good for them to remain single as I am. But if they can't exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So what we see in Scripture, and those aren't the only two verses that pertain to marriage. Scripture is covered with verses that that speak to marriage. There's, you know, a lot, the Bible has a lot to say about marriage. Namely, that it's designed by God, uh, that it's a good thing to desire, and, and that it was created, it was instituted by God. So, so it is something that we can pursue, right? Um, however, in our context, dating is the path that we take to get there. So, so what responsibility do we have towards dating? Well, we date because God gave us the gift of marriage and dating is how we get there. So, so we date. As Christians who have a desire to get married, who we feel like God has called us to marriage, and we do so well. And that's what I hope to to do tonight in this short amount of time is just help you, kind of point you in the direction of what it would look like to date well as a follower of Jesus. All right, so that's our biblical responsibility towards marriage. And here's the problem. This is where I told you the first thing we're going to look at tonight is that culture teaches us to date for fun. The problem uh, with, with what I just said is that the current of culture has caused us to slowly drift further and further away from the purpose that dating was, was made for, right? When, when dating was created back in the 18th century, the purpose of it was to remove that third party and to use it as a pathway to evaluate as to whether or not someone would make a good spouse, a good fit for life, if you will. That's how dating was created. But our culture, the, the, we have really drifted further and further from that purpose where, where um, at one point, the, the goal of dating used to be attaining marriage. Now it almost appears as if the goal of dating when it comes to culture is avoiding marriage. Right? Like, like when it was created, it was all about how can I find someone to marry? How can I find a spouse? And now culture really speaks that uh, dating is a lot less about attaining marriage and a lot more about avoiding it. Like, if we just date, then we can get all of these things that marriage offers, and we don't have to have any of the commitment. That's what culture, the picture that culture is painting when it comes to dating. And that's a a dangerous thing. And you know, that's not just something I came up with either. 
I found an interesting statistic as I was studying this week. Um, this is, you know, a good thing, but the divorce rate has actually been dropping um, pretty substantially since 2011. The divorce rate has declined. Here's the problem. So has the marriage rate, right? Like that's why the divorce rate has been declining. Because what we're seeing, again, like I said, uh, dating used to be about attaining marriage, but now it's become more about, about avoiding marriage. People are getting married less, and if they do get married, they're getting married a lot later. Because culture says that dating has nothing to do anymore with attaining marriage, evaluating a future spouse uh, for marriage, but it's got everything to do with avoiding it. Uh, matter of fact, I think most of the world today um, dates kind of like a middle schooler who's just been given $5. You remember that, right? Like you're a little middle schooler, you did a chore, and your mom gave you $5. And so the first, like, establishment where you can purchase something that you came to, that $5 was burning a hole in your pocket. Is anybody, like, was this not just me, right? You guys are with me? Okay, so the $5 would be burning a hole in my pocket. I've got $5, and, and I never have money. So I've got to spend it on something now. And so I walk into, I don't know, a gas station, because we needed gas or something like that. And so I'm like, what can I buy with my $5? I'm going to find the coolest thing, the newest toy. I'll buy this phone charger, whatever I got to buy, as long as I can afford it with my $5. And I think that's really a picture of how culture tells us to date today. I think that's how a lot of the world handles dating. Like, I'm going shopping because I can. I have no idea what I'm looking for, just some shiny new toy, right? Um, and, and what it often leads to, if you remember as a middle schooler who's probably uh, made purchases like this, it can lead to making a purchase that you're going to either regret or a purchase that just gets old after a while and once you have five more dollars, you'll go get something new. That is how culture teaches us to date. And frankly, that's how I see a lot of college students carrying out their dating relationships. And I believe if we're going to date well, if we're going to try our best to apply biblical principles to dating, that's not how we go about it. You may hear me give that illustration and be kind of offended. Like, okay, Logan, that really sounds like you're objectifying people, like treating dating like shopping and all that. Yeah, because that mentality, that's what it does. It objectifies people. It uses people, it treats people like objects. And so for a lot of the world, the way that it works is when it, when it comes to dating, you find yourself wanting attention or, I don't know, like a, a boost to your self-esteem. You find yourself not content in singleness. You, you want sex or, or whatever you can get, right? And so you know that dating, like that process is a way of attaining those things. And so what you do is you go and try to find someone to date that can meet those desires until the newness wears off and then you got five more dollars and you're right back at it. Right? That's how culture teaches us to date. And I will say this. Even if in your dating relationship that what I just said is like a mutual agreement. Even if both parties are like, that's okay with me. 
it does not make it any more okay, and it does not make it any less costly. You understand what I'm saying? Like that, that is not a good way to go about your dating relationship despite what culture tells you. If you're doing that, you are not dating for marriage. You are dating for fun. And if that's you, you need to stop because you are taking advantage of other people and you are training yourself for divorce, literally practicing it over and over and over again. Right? That's the danger behind this message that culture wants to tell us when it comes to dating. And this problem is not just prevalent when it comes to like serial daters like I just described, okay? This problem is, is of dating for fun is prevalent in even long-term relationships. Like it's even prevalent in, in the relationships uh, that started back in high school. Any relationship that does not have marriage as a realistic possibility now or sometime in the near future, we see this problem prevalent in those relationships. Now, listen, I know that sounds harsh, but I want you to know I'm speaking from experience. Like, I can bash high school relationships because I'm a product of a high school relationship. Like Aaliyah and I, we were high school sweethearts. We got married, uh, not married in high school. We started dating in high school. She was a junior. Going into her junior year, I was going into my senior year. We dated four and a half years. And like mountains were moved for us to get married, right? Like, I mean, the Lord just gave us like, you know, that. I was able to go to school online to finish college, and she was able to go to school online. We had somewhere to live. Like, like the Lord did something for us to be married. Had that not happened, it would have been, we'd have dated for six years, right? And here's the problem with that. And, and I say that you're, you're probably going like, wait a second. What, are you saying that, like, you ended up with the wrong person? I'm not saying any of that. But I, I am saying this. If I could go back and do it differently, I would. If I could go back and not start our relationship in high school, I would. And if Aaliyah could go back and start our relationship differently, not in high school, she would. She's not here tonight. She, she would tell you that herself, right? Here's why. Because when we started dating, marriage was not a realistic possibility for us. You could have came to me and asked me, Logan, are you dating for marriage? I'd have been like, yeah, I could absolutely see myself marrying her. In four to five years-ish, right? And so in doing that, what, we're sa- what I'm saying is, like, okay, sure, marriage is a possibility down there, but in the meantime, I just want a girlfriend, and she just wants a boyfriend. That's dating for fun, right? Because it's not a realistic possibility, and here's the reality. It does not take four to five years for you to evaluate whether or not someone would make a good future spouse. If it takes you four years, like if you've been dating for four years and you're still figuring that out, they're either not the one or you need, and actually there's no one. We'll talk about that in a second. But you don't need to marry that person or you need to fix your evaluation process. Like something, something's got to give. It does not take four years. It, it does not take three years. I'm not going to give you a timetable I'm just saying it does not take as long as you think. And so when you date, marriage needs to be a realistic possibility now or in the near future. And here's why. And again, I'm speaking from experience, right? Relationships like that, 
When a relationship starts and marriage is not a realistic possibility, relationships like that will end in one of two ways. They will either end, A, in heartbreak, you spend years pursuing someone and it just never works out, or B, you actually do end up marrying the person, but you have to wait forever. And in that waiting period, like when you know, like I knew after a year that Aaliyah was the person that I wanted uh, to spend the rest of my life with probably way sooner than that. But where it left us is, I know that this is the person I want to marry, and now I have to wait until marriage is a realistic possibility for us. And that period of time sets you up to cross boundaries that you will regret crossing, and it did us. And let me tell you, those boundaries, crossing them, they are a costly thing when it comes to stepping into marriage. Right, So that's what you're setting yourself up for when you enter into a dating relationship and marriage is not a realistic possibility now or in the near future. So, so here's what I'd say to you. And y'all, I know this flies in the face of everything that culture is saying. I, I know that this is like, this is not popular. Right? Um, but I, I, I'm going to say this because I truly believe uh, after studying this, after looking back at my life, uh, after, after spending some time going, here's what I wish I'd have done differently. What I truly believe is that if you're not ready to get married right now or sometime in the near future, you do not need to date. Right? We talked a few weeks ago about singleness. Like, enjoy singleness. Leverage singleness. It's a great time of life. And when that day comes, that you, like marriage becomes a realistic possibility sometime in the near future, man, then date and date well. But you will set yourself up for pain if you make the decision to do so before you're ready. That makes sense? So, so here, here's the thing. The reason that I say all of that is that we, we've got to wrap our minds around the truth that dating relationships will only ever end in one of two outcomes, marriage or breaking up. That's like the only two ways that they end, is marriage or breaking up. So, so real, I'm saying that, one, because I believe it's God-honoring, but two, I'm trying to save you from, from heartache. Because that book that I gave you, a quote from it, uh, I love this. JP writes, if marriage is not a possibility, right, then breaking up will be a certainty. And so if you enter into a relationship and marriage is not a possibility, then breaking up will be a certainty. And we've all been through those breakups and no one wants to sign themselves up for that. So if neither person is ready for marriage, then the only question left to ask is how long until you break up? And if one of you is ready for marriage and the other person's not, well now you're entering into a relationship where you're just going to lead somebody on and waste months, maybe years of their time. Culture tells us to date for fun. I'm telling you, I believe that, that when we take biblical principles and apply them to this modern day creation of dating, uh, I believe with all my heart that dating is something that is not for fun. It's something that's for marriage, right? So culture says that dating is for fun. That's the first thing. The second thing that culture teaches us that is wrong about dating is this, that culture teaches us to find the one. 
culture teaches us to find the one. In, uh, in Greek mythology, there's this story. It goes like this. Um, human beings, when they were first created in their primal state, whatever that means, uh, they were created as these beings that had four arms, four legs, and two faces. And um, at some point, humans became threatening to the Greek gods. And um, the, the Greek god Zeus had a decision to make. He could either use his super cool lightning bolt powers to eliminate humans altogether and wipe them from the face of the earth. But he, he didn't like that idea because he would have no one to worship him. So the story goes that uh, instead of wiping the human race clean, the Greek god Zeus made the decision to split humans right down the middle. Remember I told you four arms, four legs, and so when they were split, humans, like we see today, were created. That's how the story goes. And those two halves of that once whole, they came to be known as soulmates. That's where the word soulmates, or the, the idea of soulmates, comes from. It's a myth. So, if your pursuit uh, of a dating relationship revolves around you trying to find a soulmate, I just want you to know tonight, you've got about as good of a chance of walking out into the forest and trying to find Bigfoot. Because it's a myth. That's where the idea of soulmates came from. All right, now, I'm sorry that I just burst some of your bubbles, but there is no one for you. There is no twin flame. There is no soulmate, okay? Um, and, and I believe that for a number of reasons. Um, one, scripturally, God's word never explicitly nor implicitly states that, that, that there is one for you, right? Um, and also, if that were the case, do you realize that one person getting it wrong like jacks everything else, else up for the rest of us? You realize that? So like if one guy just years and years and years ago decides like, you know what? I don't want the one. I, I want like number two. Well, it's over for us. Like it's just all messed up. That logic just doesn't really make sense. Um, I do believe that there was one exception to this rule. I do believe that um, Tim Tebow married Miss Universe, and that just makes a whole lot of sense. So take, take that as you will. But when it comes to finding the one, there's not a one. Right? Like, the, you, you don't have a soulmate. You don't have, like, that one person, and the Lord's just like, they're going to cross paths on the other side of the street and not notice each other and it's going to make a beautiful story like that's just not how it goes uh, rather you're not looking for the one uh, rather there there are many ones that you can choose from and and I know some of you are sitting in your seat like yeah okay what about your wife right is she the one she is the one for me because she's the one I married, right? So, so now she's the one. Um, but I will say this, and, and Aaliyah would agree with me. There are plenty of guys that exist on this planet that Aaliyah could have married 
that would have made her happy. And she would have made them happy. Right? Like, like that's, it's just not true that there's one person that you're destined to be with forever. And I know that might sound deflating, but my hope is that it will take some of the pressure off. Right? Um, and, I, and I'll say this too. And this is really, you know, my point behind saying all this. Looking for the one, it can really be a dangerous game. Why do I say that? Well, first of all, it can keep you, uh, it can keep you with someone who isn't good for you. It can keep you with someone who isn't any good for you. Um, like, if you enter into a relationship and you have this, the one mindset, and you convince yourself that you have found the one, and this is like Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. Like, you have found the one, and there's, there's no question, like, this is the one for you. And then down the road of that relationship, this person starts to present some red flags, right? Your belief that they are the one might just cause you to overlook some things that you really need to be paying attention to if you're dating this person to try to evaluate whether or not they'd make a great spouse, right? So, so like, literally, and I, I've seen this, where believing in this mentality of the one and that you've found the one can lead you to overlook, like, the fact that they might claim to be a Christian, but their life shows something totally different. It might lead to you overlooking the fact that they're pushing you to cross physical boundaries that you have no business crossing. I've seen it lead people to overlook the fact that their boyfriend or girlfriend is cheating on them, right? And, and, and all the while, despite the fact that everyone else in their life, friends, family, small group, despite the fact that everybody else sees it, you just can't because they're the one. And if you break up with the one, well, that was the one. And now you're going to be single forever. It's not good logic. And it's, it's, it can lead you to overlook some really important things you would need to see. Okay? Um, believing in this idea that there is the one, it can lead you to staying in relationships that you have no business being in for far too long. And tonight, if that's you, and like some of the things that I just said are happening, and you're overlooking it, I, I want you to hear me say this. You are free to, and you should, break up with anyone that you are dating who makes it clear to you that they are not a good future spouse. Like you are free to do that, and you should do that. As soon as you can. Because otherwise you're just dating for fun, right? They're, they're not the one, right? You're not just like waiting for them to work things out. They are, you, you need to get out of that relationship, right? Um, not only can the mindset of finding the one keep you with someone who's bad for you, but it can also keep you from someone who's good for you. It can keep you away from someone who, who's really good for you. Like, you could pass up lots of incredible options because you're waiting for that Mr. or Mrs. Wright who, who actually doesn't exist, <laughs> right? Like, you could pass up some, in, some incredible options. It could keep you from giving someone who is a, potentially a great match a shot because you're looking for some kind of mystical spark or chemistry that even if it did come, 
it wouldn't be trustworthy because the one doesn't exist. There's lots of ones. You know, it can keep you from someone that could potentially be a great fit. And a lot of times, the way that that takes place is it this, this mindset, it causes you to overemphasize in relationships and in candidates, if you will, less significant things, right? It causes you to place more emphasis on less significant things. So most of the time, the way that you see this played out is you see people putting all their eggs in this basket of physical attraction, okay? And like, don't get me wrong, like physical attraction, it's important. I'm not saying it's a non-factor. I'm saying that if your relationship is built on physical attraction, and let's be real, most of your relationships are built on physical attraction, what you're going to find is that physical attraction is depreciating. Okay? Like Proverbs chapter 31 verse 30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. Other translations would say beauty is fleeting. In other words, his like beautifully chiseled and sculpted arm with a tattoo sleeve, those tattoos are going to melt when he gets old and wrinkly. Right? I'm not going to say anything about the girls because... I'm not going to do that. But gravity's a thing, okay? So just leave it there. So listen. Beauty is fleeting. And if you put all of your stock into beauty, you're you're investing in a depreciating asset. Does that make sense? And so, what you need to spend your time looking for is things that will appreciate over time. Things that will get better with time. What are those? Well, the back part of that verse that we just read, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 30, it says, a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. So beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord or a man who fears the Lord, that, that's criteria that will grow and get better over time. I'm not saying physical attraction is not important. I'm just saying it pales in comparison to the importance of fearing the Lord, these things that will grow over time. So how do I determine whether or not they fear the Lord, this person that I'm interested in? Well, I'll say this. Look at how they spend their time, right? Like you can tell a lot about a person based on how they spend their time. What do they invest in? What do they orient their life around? Are they too busy to make time for the things of God? Like, like, do they serve? Are they invested in a church? Do they take Christian community seriously? Do they have other people who they give permission to speak into their life? Do they obey Jesus' commands? I'm going to read you this excerpt short, 
but it's so good from uh, outdated. Um, He says it way better than I could. He says, someone who fears the Lord would not willfully and regularly ignore what the Lord has commanded us to do. He or she would not flaunt their disobedience or pretend that sin is no big deal. And when it comes to physical attraction, someone who fears the Lord would not be actively trying to sleep with you outside of marriage, period. You can tell a lot about a person by the way they spend their time. And you need to pay close attention to those things. Because those things, they grow in a specific direction over time. Right? So when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to the criteria that you're looking for, you need to look in the right places. You need to learn to look for and value characteristics that, like I said, appreciate over time. Beauty will fade, but godliness will grow. And if you are attracted to godliness and you find someone to date who is godly, like, and, and I have found this in my wife. And so I'm speaking from experience. Your attraction to them grows over time because godliness grows over time. Beauty does not. My wife is so beautiful, but that is not the foundation that our relationship is built on. Thank goodness for me, right? Because not the most beautiful thing you've ever seen right here. So... It's, it's got to be built on the things that will grow over time. And, and I'm telling you, I have found that in my wife, and I would have it no other way. So when it comes to dating, and I'll invite the band up. We'll uh, land the plane here. My challenge to you in this area of looking for the right person, don't lower your standards. Change your standards. Don't lower your standards, change your standards, right? Like, we, we need to be people who, when we pursue dating relationships, we value what God values. And the way that you get there, the way that you can get to a place where you value the things that God values, where you find attractive the thing that God finds attractive, is you invest your life in this book. For those of you who can't see, this is not outdated. This is the Bible. Invest your life in this book. Like, get to know it. Learn to need it. Learn to not be able to go a day without getting in it and figuring it out, what God has to say to you through it. And in doing so, the incredible thing is, God's going to turn you into exactly what you are looking for. And he's going to change your standards away from what culture says is attractive. And you're going to begin to be attracted to the things that God says are attractive. The things that he finds attractive. But I will say this. We say it every week. Especially tonight. The things that we talk about as as we get together, like you just will not find success, meaning, satisfaction 
in this area apart from a relationship with the Lord. It just will not happen. Scripture is clear, like darkness and light, they don't go together. Don't be unequally yoked with a non-believer. If you're a non-believer, like the, the kind of command that that phrase hinges upon is that you got to be light. Like, you got to be a believer, and then you got to hitch yourself to a believer. You guys got to date in such a way that you are moving efficiently towards marriage, evaluating will this person make a good future spouse, a future partner in ministry. And when you find that man, get married. Like, make a beeline to the altar. And I mean that. I know, again, I know that's not popular, but I'm telling you. That's the way to take the things that are in this book, I I truly believe, to take the things that are in this book and put them into practice when it comes to dating in this culture. Got to have a relationship with the Lord. Got to date, not because it's fun, but you got to date for marriage. You got to date with intention and purpose. And you've got to understand that there's plenty of ones out there for you. Plenty of people you got to look for the things that God finds attractive and it will only come through orienting your life, investing your life in this book and pursuing a growing relationship with him. And so tonight, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, I would love the opportunity to talk to you about what that would look like. Um, our girls director, Anne Marie, she's here. Lady, she would love to talk to you about what that would look like, right? Um, but y'all, I realize that some of the things that we've discussed tonight, um, they are not popular. Like, matter of fact, they swim straight upstream in a culture that is really, uh, it, is, it is absolutely um, toxic. And, and it is strong and it wants to take you with it. And we are trying to, to go against the grain. We're trying to swim upstream as hard as we can. But that's kind of the nature of the kingdom of God, right? Right? Like, that's just how we operate. And so we're about to sing a song called Simple Kingdom that explains that truth. That as followers of Jesus, we, we're not just bought into this culture that we're surrounded by. Matter of fact, we, we live counterculture. We live in such a way uh, that we're not chasing the kingdoms of this world, but we got a kingdom in heaven that we are pursuing and moving towards with everything that we have in us. So tonight, I want to invite you to stand worship team is going to lead us, and I want to invite you to take whatever step it looks like for you tonight to make your dating relationships uh, in such a way that they are more honoring to the Lord. Let me pray for us, and the worship team is going to lead us. God, we love you. We praise you. Lord, we know that your way is right. We trust you. In a world that, um, Lord, tries to tell us otherwise, you, you, you are truth. And God, I, we, we know that we can build our life on you. It is a firm foundation and we can never be led astray. God, I ask that you would move in hearts tonight. Do what only you can. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you're going to do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.